Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. For historical context, today is Monday, the 18th of April of 2022. And I'm going to be discussing an article that was recently published in The Lancet in March of 2022 that unfortunately is not free for you to download. So I guess this time around, you're going to have to trust me. It has to do with high-flow cannula in the immunocompromised patients. There have been numerous guidelines published over the past couple of years regarding the use of high-flow nasal cannula. Those guidelines address different populations, for example, those with hypoxemic respiratory failure, those patients who are in the peri-intubation phase, patients in the post-extubation phase, other things like that. And currently, there are studies cooking looking at the use of high-flow nasal cannula in patients with COPD. In addition, with the very expanded use that we've been seeing recently because of the recent pandemic regarding the use of high flow nasal cannula. Some are even arguing that we should include the utilization of nasal high flow in the definition of ARDS. Now, one cannot forget, of course, that one could use a ROCKS index, which I've discussed before on my YouTube as well as on this podcast, to help us predict who's going to do well and who's likely going to be intubated while on nasal high flow. There is a question that still lacks an answer, though. And that is regarding the utilization of patients who are immunocompromised and using high flow. For example, do immunocompromised patients do better when receiving either high flow nasal cannula or non-invasive ventilation? Non-invasive ventilation is what many people consider uh, BiPAP or BPAP or also CPAP. So first we have to wonder how we got to the state where we're trying to figure out what's going to be the way to deliver oxygen to patients who are immunocompromised. And we frequently go back, you know, those of us who know the literature inside out, look at the Florali trial that was published in 2025. That one you could link down to in the show notes. But that particular study showed how patients with hypoxemic respiratory failure that were not attributed to heart failure exacerbations or, you know, hypercapnic respiratory failure did better in certain subsets than patients who are either on conventional oxygen therapy or on non-invasive ventilation. From that Florali trial, however, the authors were able to conduct a post-hoc analysis, meaning that they looked at the data that they obtained during that study and the statistical jumping jacks with it, and they looked at the patients who were immunocompromised. In that post-hoc analysis that included 82 out of the 310 patients in the Florali trial, the authors were able to determine that non-invasive ventilation was harmful for patients who are immunocompromised rather than using nasal high flow. A question that I ask myself when I look at these studies where they compare non-invasive ventilation to any other oxygen delivering device is how much pressure are we providing to these patients? The now older but still extremely relevant ARDS data states that we should target 4 to 6 cc's per kilogram of ideal body weight. In this post hoc analysis, however, they noted that the patients were provided with approximately 9 centimeters of water over 5 centimeters of water with a tidal volume of 9 cc's per kilogram of ideal body weight, which is more than what we typically use. Therefore, one can see how this is an issue that these patients were getting these large volumes, which we know quite well could cause either barrel trauma and or volume trauma. It should come as no surprise then that, quote, patients treated with oxygen via high-flown nasal alone had lower rates of intubation and mortality compared with patients treated with non-invasive ventilation interspaced with nasal high flow. There are limitations that come with post hoc analyses, which is why I'm grateful for the team of clinicians that therefore 
proposed and completed this, pro pro this prospective study called the Florali IM trial. More or less the same team that looked at the Florali trial took a dedicated crack at sorting out which mode of providing oxygen is best for our immunocompromised patient. In this study, however, there was no standard oxygen, this, there was no conventional oxygen therapy group as there was in the Florali trial. In the Florali IM trial, there was a group that was on nasal high flow versus high flow alternating with non-invasive ventilation. They went ahead and randomized 299 patients and did their statistical jumping jacks. Earlier in this podcast, I mentioned that the post-hoc analysis of the Florali trial had patients receiving 9 cc's per kilogram of ideal body weight as their tidal volume. In the Florali IM trial, they were a little bit more rigorous and targeted 8 cc's per kilogram of ideal body weight. Here, they tried to keep the pressure support as low as possible. They also went ahead and kept the PEEP, which is basically what we consider to be the EPAP on the V60s for those of us who had the, the Philips devices, at at least 8 centimeters of water. This was done to, quote, promote alveolar recruitment, end quote. In other words, they gave the patients on non-invasive ventilation a little bit more tender love and care to avoid barotrauma as well as trauma. In the nasal high flow group, they attempted to have the patients on 60 liters of flow. This should be equal, roughly speaking, to a PEEP equivalent of about six centimeters of water. But, you know, obviously there are numerous caveats as, uh, you know, you can't exactly say that the flow provided is actual PEEP because it's not a closed circuit. You know, you get into the nitty gritty definitions there. But one can make the argument that the reason why the Florali trial was a positive trial for nasal high flow was because the non-invasive ventilation devices were managed in a suboptimal manner. This, has, this argument has at least been partially addressed here. And so those critics, myself included, should feel a little bit better about how the patients were managed. Looking at the results of the Florali IM trial, the authors listed a number of limitations and reasons why these data should be, quote, interpreted with caution, end quote. There was no difference in their primary nor secondary outcomes. Their primary outcome was mortality at 28 days. No difference here. The secondary outcomes included intubation at day 28, mortality in the different subgroups, which include ICU, hospital, 90-day, and 180 days. They also looked at ICU and hospital length of stay, etc. There was no difference in any of this. So to wrap this podcast up, how do I interpret these data of high flow and immunocompromised? The question should then be, should the intensivist be paying more attention to the patients who are on non-invasive ventilations. Do we have protocols in place to avoid the generation of tidal volumes greater than 8 cc's per kilogram of ideal body weight? Do we have the resources to constantly monitor these devices in order to optimize our patient care and avoid harm? Sure, there's no difference in the multiple endpoints, which is fantastic for those institutions that lack certain resources and only have non-invasive ventilation in their, in their institution. But let's say that you or your family uh, had a member that had hypoxemic respiratory failure were immunocompromised. Would you prefer to have them wear the nasal high flow where they could talk, communicate, sometimes ambulate around if they had the appropriate battery pack, depending on, uh, depending on which device you have at your respective facility, or would you rather them have the mask that's uh, basically encompassing their face the, the entire day? I know which one I would potentially choose if I was put in that situation. Hopefully, let's hope that never happens. All in all, I greatly 
appreciate your support for the podcast. Thanks for checking out this episode. I know it's a little bit more esoteric than normal, um, but I thought that this was quite important as this is going to be a, an important article for those of us who care for patients who are immunocompromised, especially as it seems like more and more we're seeing patients who are immunocompromised for a number of reasons. Hope you all have a great day. Thanks for your support. Take care. Bye.